This is the Money Seed Podcast, where we discuss all things investing, plain and simple, the way it should be. Please remember, this show is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to be investment advice. Welcome back to the Money Seed Podcast. My guest today is David Amos. David is an accountant specializing in business valuation. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. David, it's not every day that we speak to somebody who is a credentialed business valuation expert. How did you get into this space? That's a that's a great question. So uh, way back when in college, I was introduced to business valuation and some of the concepts. And, and uh, at the time, uh, I was enamored with it, but also scared by it. I I considered it uh, a lot of art uh, then, and uh, and so I, I I went the traditional accounting path and and worked in that space for for ten or fifteen years, and um, and after a while uh, began wanting to do something else, and so uh, picked picked up that interest that uh, that flame that I had in, in college and, uh, and and carried it a little bit farther and 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 found out that uh, valuation is 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 an art for sure but uh, but it's also a science and um, so it's something that maybe I always had my eye on and uh, and and made it made my way back to it and uh, so excited to be in that space now and do you mainly work with small businesses or large companies yeah it's uh Probably, probably small to mid-sized companies. I don't know how many large companies we do. Right now, I've, I've worked on a valuation uh, and issued report in the last you know couple of weeks for a company that may be worth uh, $500,000. And there's another one working on that you know, they're going to be worth $60 million. And so, um, you know, depending on the business and and multiples and things of that nature, you know, you can go, it can go up in a hurry, but uh, small, small to mid-sized businesses. David, when I want to value a stock, for example, it takes me a few seconds to, you know, click, click, click and go on the internet and find out what a stock mm-hmm. is worth. If I want to value a house, I can look up Zillow equally quickly, or I can look at, you know, sale like comps in the neighborhood, how many bedrooms, whatever. Yeah. I can maybe spend 30, 40 minutes on a house and, and walk through it and have a good idea of what it's worth. How long does it take to value a business? And we typically say from the time in which we have all the documents that, that, that we're requesting, and that, that list is longer than you might think, but let's just say that it's, it could be anywhere from 20 to 40 things because um, it's an in-depth exercise. Uh, from the time that we have all the information, we can usually turn around a report in maybe four to six weeks. And so, um, maybe again, maybe longer than expected, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of analysis and, and back and forth um, management interviews and things of that nature that go into it. I think most of our listeners probably own a small business if they own a business, but let's just take a typical small business. Let's say it is a family run operation, mm-hmm. pick a business. Let's let's like, let's say car wash, right? Yep. Um, you have a typical car wash. Uh, the building is owned. Let's say they might have a mortgage on it. They might not. What are the typical, what are the biggest things that go into trying to determine what a business is worth? Yeah. Well, typically on a business like a car wash, we're, we're probably going to be utilizing the, the income approach or the market approach. And um, the, the only other approaches out there are the asset. But uh, the asset approach oftentimes doesn't capture the, the intangible value, right? So so oftentimes we use the income approach. And the way that the income approach gets at the value of a company is by determining um, the benefits uh, measured in either net income or earnings or cash flows each year. 
And then we convert that benefit amount, annual benefit amount to, to a value. And, and we do that by dividing it by the, the, the rate of return, right? And so if you're going to invest in a stock and you're going to give X dollars for that stock, you're, you know, uh, what's the annual benefit you're going to get? And what's the annual appreciation you're going to get? And, uh, and, you know, you may be willing to accept a smaller amount if it's a less risky stock. Conversely, if it's more risky, you want more return. And so, so when we value that car wash, we're going to go in there, we're going to say, hey, you know, what's, what's, what's this car wash done in the last five years? How much, what's the revenue and what's the net income? We're, we're going to remove some of the, the owner discretionary amounts, right? Maybe the owner's, you know, paying $5,000 a year for vacation. Well, let's get that out of there. That really didn't have a business purpose and it's kind of cluttering things up. Uh, but we look and see what sort of benefit, right? But return. Uh, that business is producing, and then we we determine um, a, a discount rate, uh, which is which reflects the the, the return on investment that, that an investor would would, uh, would want. And then so we take the benefit and divide it by the uh, discount rate, and that that equals value. Um, the other thing you mentioned, you know, you talked about comps, and so you know, on certain in certain industries, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that are selling and so uh and we can we can harvest data um you know from other transactions and and you know if we get 25 transactions or more and uh we feel good about the the, the sample of the population then we can begin to understand well you know for every dollar of revenue this company sold you know for right and we can come up with price to revenue multiples etc and we can apply those to our company um now, whether or not we rely on those, that's that's something else. But we we may let that corroborate our income approach. And so, I, I just talk a lot there. Um, How does that sound? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I think the way that you were describing, you know, the 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 rate of return, et cetera, it's it sounded like it's analogous to the cap rate. Like if anybody is trying to invest yeah. in multifamily real estate, they look at the cap yeah. rate, and it's it's a number that everyone in the industry understands. And if you know what the yep. cap rate is, then you can kind of back calculate your monthly cash flows and figure out what what the multifamily property is worth, give or take. Yeah, that, that's I mean that's, that's exactly it. And so, you know, it's it's as simple as uh, benefits again measured in either you know earnings, net income, or cash flows divided by a cap rate. And now a lot goes in to the to those to the numerator in, in that formula and the denominator, but. Um, but that's it, I think. And if you understand that, then you're well on your way to understanding, you know, valuation theory principles, et cetera. David, tell me a little bit. How is how does the actual effort required to keep the business going? How does that factor into evaluation? And what I'm thinking of primarily here is, you know, some businesses I might invest money in, and it's relatively low effort. Like I may only spend five hours a week on a business. And there are some businesses, like I'm thinking of restaurants here, that are really time intensive, where you might be spending 50, yeah. 60 hours a week there, and yet both businesses might generate the same amount of profit at the end of the month. Yeah. Does that come into play? I think it comes into play as we're trying to model out, like, like what are the what are the mar- market expenses or what are reasonable expenses, right? So, you know, every, every business owner uh, has, with... with with some exceptions, has the ability to pay themselves whatever they want, right? If they're working 80 hours and they're, and they're paying themselves $20,000 a year, well, that, that's just not reasonable, right? If, if if you and I were to go buy this business, um, you know, and we had to replace that person, what's it going to cost to replace that person? And so I, I think that's where that comes in. 
hey, what are the owners doing? What are the key people doing? You know, are they are they really are they are they workaholics and working seventy five hours a week? Well, you know, if market comp for that for just a normal you know normal salary, normal working is is fifty, what well, it's got to be more than that. And so I think we, I think we show the cost um, uh, by by adjusting owner compensation there, and so uh, and and that's how it affects the valuation. And tell me, um, what does your typical client look like? Yeah, it, it, it you know, uh, we do valuations for the three, three main functions, right? Um, so we do some, uh, valuations for, for family law, right? A husband, wife, uh, one of them owns a business, maybe both of them own a business in equitable distribution. We got a split of the marital estate. So we do, we do it there. Uh, so they are the client. Could be the attorney. It could be the the divorcing husband or wife. Uh, we also do do valuations for um, estate and gift purposes. Uh, you know the the estate tax exemption is what it's like eleven million dollars or twelve million dollars right now, or or twenty four million if you combine husband and wife. Um, there's, you know, not a lot of folks have estates that are that are twenty four million dollars, but but that that exemption is scheduled to sunset in in twenty twenty six, and so. As we continue to move towards 2026, um, you know, if the if the exemption comes back to to 11 million for husband and wife together, well, that, that's potentially you know it's problematic if you have a business that that's worth a lot. So, so sometimes we're we're working with businesses who say, "Gosh, I, I want to you know protect my estate. Let's go ahead and do some gifting, and we can take take advantage of some discounts." Um, and that's a whole other discussion, but but we can essentially plan and be strategic, um, and and save save our heirs, save the people that are gonna, you know, uh, get these assets. We, we'd hate for you know sons, daughters, grandkids, etc., have to sell assets and generate gains in order to pay estate tax. So that would be a second reason. And then another one is uh, mergers and acquisition. Um, so baby boomers own a lot of businesses, and uh, there's a there's a thing coming that they call it the silver tsunami. Um, essentially, all the baby boomers that are that are selling businesses and, and they own small businesses, they own that car wash, and uh, maybe they own a couple of them, and and they're looking to get out. And you know that they made it through COVID, and uh, they took a hit during COVID, and now they they made it through, and uh, they're thinking about how, hey, how do we monetize this thing and uh, and, and get out? So we also work with, with those folks and uh, trying to help them understand what their business is worth. Um, and, and maybe, you know, sometimes if it's not as worth, it's not worth as much as they think it is, uh, helping them understand where, uh, where some of the, the, the additional risk is coming from, right? Going back to your cap rate comment, if the cap rate's too high, well, that's driving down the value, right? The higher cap rate reduces the value. Well, if we, if we you know, try to diversify our customer base here or, uh, pour into to management and, and develop a, a, a deeper bench for you know our employees. That's that's valuable and that that reduces risk. And so um, so we we work in that space as well. That's fascinating. I just always assume that whenever somebody wants to value a business, they always want it to be valued more rather than less. But it sounds like there are some tax implications. For example, you mentioned estate tax, where it may make sense to, like you said, try to do you know, do some gifting or try to do some other um, things to try to lower the value of the business. That's quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, it, it goes for sure on estate. Uh, that happens on estate. 
Uh, also, if you know if somebody uh, died and they own a business and and, and they're going to transfer that business to uh, uh, to an heir, and, and and a lot of times in those cases, if it's not a taxable estate, those people will want a high value because they're going to get a step up in basis, and, and they want a higher basis. So whenever they sell the business, they have less gain, right? And so. Uh, I feel like on, on every on every valuation, I have somebody uh, in my ear saying, I, "I want it, I want it higher, I want it lower," and um, and 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 we understand that we're being hired by these folks, but um, but what we say, what we and we say it, and we try to say it graciously and gently, but but we are advocates for our value. Um, we'll tell you why the value is what it is, and we love to talk about the report, um, but we're not not hired guns, and so we've we've got to. Got to be advocates for our value and our value alone. So, so it can be can be can be uh, tense at times. <laughs> what am I paying you for? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I, t- I, t- I told you it's worth this. Well, great, but you save your money. You don't need to hire me. But um, so yeah, exactly. And through your over decades long experience here valuing businesses. Are there any type of businesses that really stand out that tend to be valued higher than, say, similar businesses? Yeah, I think, um, I think those those uh, a lot of times uh, manufacturing businesses are are, are there or or service based businesses, um, but I think each of them are at the end of the day each of them are different, and this is why the, the valuation exercise takes four to six weeks. You know, depending on if if a company is is run has been run inefficiently, you know, there's capacity, and uh, and somebody with the right management can get in there and really and really um, uh, you know take advantage of that and, and benefit from it, right? And we've got to understand, you know, where is this business, you know, in relationship with that its industry? Where is it in relationship with the economy, with the broader economy, local economy? Is it earlier on in its you know, and it's in it in its life cycle or later, you know, because that, that changes cost of capital, the capitalization rate, right? Um, you know, if it's if it's if it needs long-term debt, well, you know, the cost of capital is gonna be lower, right? Because debt's cheaper than equity. Um, but if it's later on and doesn't, you know, so it it uh there could be some, but it it really varies um based on all those variables and um, I'm not, that's not trying to be a cop out. It, uh, it's what makes it fun and difficult. How does someone become certified in business valuation? Yeah, there, there are three primary credentialing bodies. And so one, the, the AICPA, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, they have a credential called, uh, the ABV accredited in business valuation. Um, the, there's the National Association of Certified Evaluators, valuation analyst, which is, and they have a, a CVA certified valuation analyst, which is what I am. And then there is, there's a uh, American Appraisal Society, and so they have their own design, designation. And and with each of those credentials, you know, there's an education requirement, there's an experience requirement, and there's an examination requirement, and, and of course, um, the annual or the triannual uh, recertification process. David, I believe now you are a published author. Tell us about your book. Yeah. So I, when, again, I was probably credentialed seven years ago or eight years ago in evaluation. And I was doing that on the side, I guess, anywhere from 10 to 25% of my time. But I just got to a point where I wanted to go completely or 
go all in, uh, as they say, in valuation. And so, uh, you know, like I said, one of the types of valuations that I do is for family law. And, uh, and I believe that the practice, that the difference in the practice that I have, um, you know, just kind of going all in right now in the practice that I want, uh, a lot more valuation is is really a, a credibility gap, and, or excuse me, an authority gap. And so I think uh, how, how do we how do we increase authority? Well, we we write and we speak. And uh, and so I wrote a book. And uh, so I wrote a book on in, uh, on valuation. And and uh, it, it's 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 titled Introduction to Business Valuation for Matrimonial Lawyers. And so there are. It, it's geared towards matrimonial lawyers, but there's also a sense in which at the end of the day, business valuation is business valuation and what applies in, for family lawyers also applies for other lawyers and requires, and, and it applies for business owners. And so, so I wrote a book and uh, it really just trying to be a, an easy to read, a simple book. Uh, there are a lot of valuation texts out there that are, you know, that are four or five inches thick and, and uh, they're, they're valuation books written by valuation people for valuation people. This book was, was not written for valuation people. It was written for people that, that don't have a finance background, right? Attorneys or business owners and uh, try to help them understand, well, you know, you mentioned cap rate. What is the cap rate? How, how do we determine the cap rate? And, uh, and really a, a very simple, easy to read, about 200 pages uh, book on valuation. You mentioned some of the basic techniques earlier. Um, what are the like the four or five most common ways to value a business? Yeah, I think I would say capitalization of earnings, um, and and that's where we 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 pick a period, uh, a, a benefit, and uh, and we capitalize it, and that's probably one. Another one would be the discounted cash flow analysis, and so. We use that when when the historical earnings are are vary a lot, and we, and we really can't get a good read on it, and we don't know what's going to happen with this company, or if management expects the company to to go through a tremendous period of growth, like in the next year, say twenty percent next year, fifteen percent the following year, and then kind of flatten out to three percent. So there, we want to do a discounted cash flow analysis where we. Um, we project the earnings for a couple of years in the future and then pr- and then present value them back. Okay. Uh, so I think those, those are two income methods. And then the other, the other, probably the other common one. So I'll give you three is, uh, is the, we call it the guideline transaction method. That may not be a good, good phrase, but how about mergers and acquisition method where we, we look at, at data for mergers and acquisitions. Um, and we we uh, then we apply that data to our company to, to to see how we match up. It's it's a it's a comp approach, right? Just like in a real estate appraisal. And how standardized are these approaches? And I guess what I'm asking is, if it ever ends up in court, right? Whether it's you know a divorce mm-hmm. court or maybe one business partner is suing another one, and one team has their valuation, their valuators, another team has their valuators. Do different business valuators? end up with similar numbers at the end of the day? They should. We should. Um, and, and this is this is a point of frustration for me. Um, you know, those those methods that, that I that I mentioned to you are are, are pretty uh, pretty common. I, I think that all, 
when we do valuation, and it's going to be in a litigation setting, we do have to be careful. We have to be aware of, of the statutes, of the state statutes, and the case law. Um, you know, the, the specific case law for for matrimonial litigation may be different than shareholder disputes, and um, and some of the things that you consider or not consider. But those three methods are pretty common. Now, to the other issue of, uh, of of differing values, because you know sometimes I'll I'll have to value the company for the wife, and somebody else will value the company for the husband, and we and we're we're never going to be exactly the same, but but we should be close, and um, and so uh, you know that there is bias that that happens, um, and that's and that's and, the, and that's that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, what, what what we do is subjective. There are there are judgment calls. Is you know if we're adjusting reasonable compensation for for the for the for the owner, the president, CEO, owner is it is it one hundred and fifty thousand or is it two hundred thousand? Well, you know there there may be data out there that says that one hundred fifty could be on the low end of reasonable and that two hundred could be on the high end of reasonable. You know if. The difference in, in in a value of a company from a fifteen percent cap rate to a twenty percent cap rate it is is significant, right? Um, and so there are differences, but but we should be we should be in the ballpark, and um, and uh, and so people and people got to be advocates for their value, and um, and and uh, so it it, it happens uh, probably more often than not, more often than I, I care to say out loud. David, as we move to wrap up this interview, tell me where can people find your book and where can people reach you? Yeah, so you can find the book on uh, uh, Amazon. It, it's there. Uh, just search uh, "Introduction to Business Valuation uh, for Matrimonial uh, Lawyers." And David Amos, obviously, writing it. Uh, feel free to, to 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 email me. My uh, email address is just the first initial D. And then last name, Amos, A-M-I-S-S, and then at C-R-I-C-P-A dot com. Um, uh, and uh, you can you can email me. And, and if you'd like a copy of the book, I'd, I'd love to get it to you. So, Fantastic. I'll drop those in the show notes. David, thank you very much for your time today. Fascinating discussion. And I hope to speak with you again soon. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Money Seat Podcast. Please remember to click like and subscribe. It really helps spread the message to other investors and it helps attract new viewers to the show. We appreciate your support. Thanks very much.